And of course, it's Wednesday, and uh, Paul called in right there as the uh, Alvin was kicking off his guitar. And I guess uh, you know it's Roger Sales. And uh, let me just start out the show here, Paul, with a kind of a headline. It re- it relates to the financial stuff, but I think it's pretty appropriate to the whole situation globally. It says, "Welcome to not Wednesday, not nine, not October, and not 2019." After the Fed started, not. QE4. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of appropriate because, hey, man, the whole world's going crazy. We hadn't spoken with you in a couple of weeks, and I was real glad that you're able to join us today because you got such a unique perspective and delivery, and uh, and you've gotten to be a good friend over these years of working in the trenches. And, hell, it's just like I wrote you last week, a, a week without Paul's like a week without sunshine. <laughs> Well, well, we're quite used to not having too much sunshine over here, but um, yeah. Although it's very sunny today, it is good. It's good today, and um, a bit nippy, but nice. A nice nip in the air. Good October nippy autumnal day around here, so not too bad. Um, Yeah, I don't know what I was doing last week, but I certainly couldn't get in front of the microphone. I know that. I think I was shooting around in the car. That's what was going on. So I just had a a few things came up um, as they as they do. uh, but it's been very quiet over here in the UK. There's nothing much really going on, actually. Oh, apart from the country just coming apart at the seams. Other than that, it's just business as not usual over here. So it's quite it's quite calm and steady. Well, I was reminiscing a little bit the week before. You, you weren't with us last week. The week before we had, uh, you know, one of those. It was kind of unusual, really, where the Internet goes down for 45 minutes right in the middle of the freaking program. And so... I guess it's kind of a get back on track. The last time we were together, and I didn't even post that, the remnants of the show I had, and it was really interesting because, man, you were venting. Do you remember was the I? Brexit? Are you there? asking me to try and recall what no, I was saying two no, weeks I'm ago? Just That's not right. Ca- no, I'm trying <laughs> to catch up. That. You know, we, That's we, completely. <laughs> you, you and I don't communicate I can. You know, constantly through the week and stuff. So the Wednesday is kind of a communication day. And uh, I just remember when it was going on going, wow, well, Paul's really venting here. So it's just a whole mess, man. I mean, your place, Germany, Turkey, Syria, all the financial stuff, blankets everywhere. We got Hong Kong. Uh, we got, and now we got Ecuador. Little sleepy ass Ecuador's got a whole bunch Why, of stuff. What are you doing on. in Ecuador? Well, I'm going to. Uh, what are you doing? What well, are you doing in Ecuador? Come on. I'm just sitting here out of the way. But there's a lot of other people that aren't, and uh, evidently. And so because I'm somewhat removed, at some point during the show today, I'm going to have my good, dear old friend, Journeyman Jack, on, who is very plugged in all over the country and very plugged into all this. And he's going to give us all kind of an up-to-date overview of it because it really is a a, a minute-by-minute event because eruptions are happening all over the country in different places. It's all over IMF loans. You know what it's even really more specific over? A guy that you guys are holding incarcerated over there named Julian Assange. Yes, 
you know, that's um, this still is, a... This is blowback. What would I say? That's still a rum-do, as we would say. It's still completely not on and bang out of order, but... Well, um, this is I thought you were going to regale me as well with the tales about about guinea pig ice cream or something. You, <laughs> didn't you send me something about guinea pig yes. ice cream? Yeah, I thought that's what you were really alluding well, to to start off with. I'm sorry for being slightly flippant, I mean, but I just caught that the other day. And uh, that's all. have you had any? This is what I wanted to no, ask you, Roger. Have no, you been eating guinea pig flavored ice cream? I haven't because it seems to me that it's a perfect postre or dessert for after kidney pie. <laughs> Yeah, but you've got. I think you've told me that they quite like eating guinea pigs down there, don't they? Well, or something, isn't that right? It's a delicacy down here. Uh, it's kind of a weird deal, but that's their culture. And uh, all through the Andes, not just in Ecuador, but Bolivia's uh, rife with it too. And they'll buy these cute little pets that I used to have as a kid called a guinea pig, you know, and they'll put it in a cage yep, yep. and they'll feed it and fatten it up all year. And I guess if you really fatten it up, you can get a little bit of meat off of it. Now the, the local word for it, I believe is koi, like koi, the fish, uh, uh, that mm-hmm. you see out in ponds. It's the same word. I'm, I'm think I'll, I'll check with Jack, but I haven't ordered it when I've been out. I've seen it on the menu a few times. They consider it to be a real delicacy down here. And, um, as I sent out an article, I don't know even remember if I talked about it this week or not, but at one of the, I guess we did at one of these vendor food shows, somebody came up with a way to make Guinea pig ice cream. And they said it was received really well by the people that dropped by the booth. So who knows? It may be popping oh up at, at your local Baskin Robbins, you know, flavor of the month, <laughs> Guinea pig ice cream. Uh, got there's, a lot, there's a lot going on in Ecuador, obviously. Poor <laughs> well, guinea Jack. pigs are getting it now cooked both ways. They're both, you know, firsts and desserts, poor little things. And it would, it would, it would produce floods of tears over here, no doubt, from innocent schoolchildren who used to keep guinea pigs in, the, in little cages. I think my, did my sister keep them? No. Could, yeah, she I maybe did, see, actually. I could see it as, a liberal, as yeah. a liberal battle cry, save the guinea pigs. Oh, you've started it already. Come on, cameras <laughs> in. There's, there's probably a... There's a huge website to be built on the back of, of the guinea pig uh, project straight away. So I think you've, you know, you're finding your calling late in life here, Roger. It's obviously you your social justice warrior genes are coming to the fore God. in this great caring um, you know, event for the guinea pig. Let's hope not. I don't <laughs> think anybody else's yeah. social justice genes need to come to the forefront of anywhere. I mean, yeah, I, it really I is the craziest world, man. And I, I just get these feelings, you know, even this far removed as I am. I'm pretty removed from all, uh, all of that in many ways and out here in the country under the avocado trees. And uh, it just still yeah. upsets me, you know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm seeing these things and the repercussions and the hypersensitivity and uh, 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 of, of nations now. I'm telling you, have you seen about the NBA scandal, the NBA uproar in China? Uh, no, this is what the National Basketball Association. Correct. Is it? Correct. So what? The, well, I did see something about a team going out there. This is a few months ago. So I'll say this, and then you can shoot this one down. A team had gone out there and had behaved sort of rudely 
And the Chinese fans didn't take kindly to this at all. <laughs> they were, they were uh, voicing or possibly even hurling their displeasure at the NBA people and telling them to get out. They didn't like them at all. But that that's some kind of vague anecdote that I've got stuck in my head. But I think you've got something else from the well, way you're talking about it because it sounds more recent I than that. I don't really remember that incident too much. But this latest one, what I didn't know is that basketball, NBA, is absolutely huge in China. And they got stores. It's because they're all so small. It's because they're all so small. Well, uh, you know. Uh, no, the they're not from... actually. They produce those 10 foot giants, don't they, every now and again, the Chinese. Those huge men. Yeah, well, they I do. remember the North Korean uh, guy, whatever his name is, was all smitten with one of the. Uh, Scotty Pippen, one of the big stars from back in the. Jew, you know, the. Uh, uh, Oh, who's our guy from North Carolina days? Anyway, he was uh, quite the star in the basketball world, and, and he got where he could get in to see the president of North Korea, and nobody else could. You know, they're like big buddies, mm-hmm. drinking buddies, all that stuff. Well, anyway, it's the same in China, evidently. It's what Robert told us yesterday. I, we were talking about it a bit. I didn't even uh, know that. But so here's what happened with the Hong Kong thing. Throw another little perspective, another facet in there. With the Hong Kong demonstrations, the owner of one of the NBA, Texas NBA teams, made a short four or five word tweet about supporting Hong Kong's freedom drive or something. Well, the, uh, the Chinese went apoplectic, and there's a team over there evidently touring the country right now, and they won't even uh, say a word about it, and there's all kinds of tension about it. But just my, my, uh, the, the, line of conversation is that little uh, from somebody around the world says five words and it aggravates a, a, an international geopolitical almost crisis situation that could become over there yes well it doesn't seem surprising does it really because everything that seems to be the currency of the day is um histrionics hysteria and as you were saying earlier, I think the phrase you used is oversensitivity to things. But, I, I mean, you know, I think we're also running out of adjectives. We're probably going to have to create some new ones very soon um. to describe the new levels of sort of manic behavior that are taking place. There's nothing steady about the world. And, I, and I, one has to rightfully, I think, suspect some kind of arm in the background pulling series of levers oh, to make all it. this happen because there's so much happening all at once. You know, um, you know the problem uh, and I'm continually is- reminded – they've got is they can unleash these forces but they can't totally control them they can manipulate them they can massage them they can guide them to some extent successfully even but they can't totally control them once they're unleashed that's what the problem they're having in the financial area right now and it just gravitates over to their other areas of control to me yes well i think you know the the thing that tends to sort of jump out mainly is that so many people are hijacked by their own emotions, uh, either knowingly or unknowingly, and uh, therefore the the opportunity for any sort of sane sentences to tumble out of anybody's mouths are being reduced minute by minute, literally. Um, and uh, there's an old, I, I don't, I've probably said this before here, there's an old phrase over here, maybe you've got it over there, which is, if they get you asking the wrong questions, it doesn't matter what answers they give you. And I feel as though often I'm living in a culture where everybody is asking absolutely inappropriate, useless questions. They're not really of any sense. They're all hung up on detail and uh, obfuscation and the drama of the whole thing and things of secondary import all the time. No one 
will address the elephant in the room. And there are several elephants, of course. This room is getting full of elephants. and Ooh, <laughs> No one's talking boy. about any of them. And, and that's kind of what it's like. That's, yep. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of what it's like. And there's a nimble avoidance. You can see it in the minds of the, well, what's left of their minds, you know, um, as they evade continually going to the big red button topic. Eh, don't press that. Don't go there. You know, we're all in trouble. And it's kind of pathetic. It's like being surrounded by weeds all the time. And uh, they are very weedy, but uh, they think, still unfortunately have their hands on these levers of control. So the, the domino effect is considerable. They've got to influence the public and they can't change real logical fact-based things. So they switch to emotions. That's part of the whole large element in the women's movement. Okay, is to feminize everything, emotionalize everything, if you will. And uh, then they can come mm-hmm. in and they they miseducate you or uneducate you so you don't know what you're talking about, and then you're running on emotions, and then you're absolutely theirs. Uh, they, they can do what they will with you, and they take different segments and uh, frequent, frequency them into these different LGBT and, and uh, abortion and all of these emotional mo- uh, movements. Now, to give you an example of the dialectic, the opposite of what I'm talking about, the story came out of Seattle. They're now in the one of the education uh, institutions out there is trying to put forth that math is racist. Well, of course it is, Roger. Haven't you worked that out? <laughs> Uh, you know, and that's what I've said for a long time as on this whole topic is yep. is two plus two, four. You know, four is such a really evil number. I mean, if you really look at it just I right, think so. if you've yeah. been drinking or smoking a little good weed, it could almost look like a swastika. Yeah, honestly, I, I've often thought okay. it did. And, 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 yeah. and six, look at six and eight. They're such round and smooth and, and beautifully formed numbers. Shouldn't two plus two equal six or eight? That dreaded well, maybe. four. I mean, I mean number, it, number. this looks like a swastika. If you just look at it just right. Yeah, I know. Numbers are pure evil, really, aren't they? Uh, but but a bit useful. No, I think, I mean, everything is going to be racist. Uh, it already is, actually. And if you don't think it is, it's about to become that way. <laughs> right? And there's no there's no way of even sort of conducting these conversations. As I've said here before many times, they tend to illustrate back to me that the idea of mixing races together on the same bit of real estate is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. It's just completely stupid, and it produces these completely time-wasting and inefficient, pointless communications. They're totally pointless, and both sides are right, and it's irrelevant that they're right because it just doesn't make any difference. I, you're talking about numbers. I've got it kicking around here. I, can't, I stumbled across some uh, clip from an American television show of some sort. And there is a, uh, an African American woman considerably overweight, uh, who's very angry. And, uh, why she's, the reason why she's angry is that she's saying that diets are racist. And, um, <laughs> I'm going, well, of course they milk. are. Milk. I'm, I'm glad you, re- no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't based on the color. What her argument was, she said, these diets are designed for white people and they don't work on black people. And I'm thinking, actually, I've got pictures in my mind of extremely large, chubby Americans. Actually, I don't think it works on them either, but apparently not. Apparently I'm misreading it. There's one thing. So, um, no, there's one thing that works on all of them. It's called corn syrup. 
Well, there is that. There is that. Yeah, there is that. But the ma- the main thing about uh, about people who are getting a little bit tubby Corn. is um, stop. Uh, no, no, just uh, there's a really simple cure. Keep your mouth shut. I mean, really, uh, uh, you have this thing called fat shaming. Oh, you're not allowed to shame people who've, who are fat. I'm going, that's completely not on. One of my great joys at school was actually, you know, teasing. Everybody did fat people, and uh, they deserve it. You shouldn't be fat when you're young. That's it. Sorry. It's called life. And uh, life uh, will involve many, many moments for all of us where your feelings will be trampled on, hurt, abused, disregarded, callously mocked, and you better get used to it. And uh, it's all for the good as long as it doesn't kill you. You know, there's no real reason why it ought to, although some people, of course, are taking it to the extremes. But uh, this idea of having to tread on eggshells around uh, victims is completely not on. Yeah, victimology is uh, victim. Maybe I've mentioned that. Victimology is one of the ends. See, they set the goal, victimology, and then they shift everything to it where they can move people over into the victim ring. Well, yeah, I, I think you could say, Roger, that it, it's in many ways it's one of the, if not the, defining characteristic of our age. Everybody's a victim. They did it to me. If the, only this hadn't happened, my life would have turned out great. Whereas the old approach in Britain was, get a grip, man. You're a bloody disgrace. Snap out of it. You know, organize yourself, take charge, form your life the way you see it. But the main problem is that people don't even have a vision of their own life anymore, other than the one, I suppose, that's been dutifully ported into what's left of their heads, courtesy of the television systems and this, that, and the other. You know, people going around with the most... I mean, some of the stuff that they stick on the TV channels, I mean, I will alight upon it for maybe 25 seconds. It's just... It's absolutely, it's tragic, really. Uh, you know, all these people just running around covered in tattoos, talking rubbish, moaning about their relationships. It's all about them. Everything's about me, me, me. I need more of this. And if only I had more of this, boy, would I be happy. But because you're not letting me get that, you're evil. And uh, look, I'm crying even more and I need some compensation. And um, okay, um, I mean, we have to just really turn our backs on this and walk away. It's... Um, there's a, thing, there's a process called growing up, isn't there? Isn't there a yeah, process was, called growing up? Well, well, this is what it's like. It go, this it, is it, what it's like. And it goes hand in hand with another one called maturation, okay? And yeah. the, the, the little me, 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 well, here, I, you want something? I'll give you a, how about a good, healthy dose of personal responsibility? How about that? <clears throat> oh, you scared even me there, Roger, when you said that. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I think, I mean, I just think that's a continual fight for all of us, no matter how handled you may think you have it. And we all do from time to time. We, we all then, do we not, uh, come across the next uh, pothole in the road. That appears to me to be unavoidable and is part of existence. I think all you can say is that with the passing of years, you may still fumble around dealing with the pothole. But one thing is that you're not surprised that the pothole turns up. You probably are a little bit more surprised about these things when you're younger when you've not seen so many but they do turn up um and of course we're seeking to avoid them but when they occur you've got to deal with them basically you know um things unanticipated and generally unwanted things occur in everybody's life and what may be a small and insignificant thing to one person can be colossally important to another um i actually don't think it's anything to do with the form of the problem it's really to do with 
um, the way it fits in or doesn't fit into a person's life. You know, a, a billionaire uh, may sort of, you know, drop dead from anxiety over dropping a few hundred million on a, on a deal or something. <laughs> to, to you and me, we, we'd be happy to do that, <laughs> to have even been in the game. You know what I mean? Yep. Possibly, possibly not. Well, uh, always- and then to someone else, they lose their shoe and, and they're in desperate straits, you know. So it's, we've all got this intensity. So the emotional response is not necessarily related to the actual physical. Okay, well, that little irritating noise. I've never have figured out how to get rid of that. Alerts us to the fact that someone's joined us. This someone is Doc Gatton, one of our longtime listeners from out in the Southern California area. Hey, Doc, you got anything to add here today? Question, a comment? Uh, no, just thank you for taking my call. I didn't hear you on the network, so I went over to Skype to catch you. So here I am. All right. Well, hold on. Let's oh, back my up ears for, uh, Let's hold up for a second. We're not broadcasting over the network. Yeah, I don't think so. Of course, it might might it might be my computer, but I tried it. But I'll check it again in the meantime. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd appreciate it and let us know. It, we're, we're connected yes. to the server, I can tell you yes. that. So past that, it's out of my ballywick. So let's hope <laughs> not. I believe the bill was paid this month. So uh, we'll uh, go on the on the hopes that your computer, like Lauren said, every time I get problems, I have to re- reboot my computer and it comes in. Now here's Jim Ram coming in. So Jim can give us a little more definitive info. Jimbo, are we going out or not? Yes, you are. I've been listening to you on the network uh, since the start of the show. It must be something with Doc's computer. Okay, but Doc. you're getting out just fine. Okay. Well, there you go. There's the definitive answer. How you doing, Jim? Good, good. You know, I was thinking when you guys were talking about the um, uh, guinea pigs yeah. back uh, several years ago. Remember the old uh, the old days when they had uh, furniture that was covered with naugahyde? Yes, I do. Well, back uh, about 20 years ago, when I had a buddy of mine and I were doing gun shows, and we started a movement, we had buttons and T-shirts and everything to save the Nagas. Yeah, right, the baby <laughs> Nagas. We, we, told, we told them they were just these little furry creatures that were a little bit bigger than a guinea pig, <laughs> and they were being uh, their hides were being taken off of them to make this furniture. And all these people bought into it, and all the you know, it would be a perfect thing today, except nobody knows what Naugahyde is anymore. You know, <laughs> it brings to mind to me something generic to the conversation is that these guys wouldn't be so successful if the herd wasn't so damn gullible. That's exactly it. You know, it's the the public fool system has dumbed everybody down so much that they're just so stupid they can't. They can't think. They can't reason. All they can do is react and respond, they, they, and that's the whole problem. That's They respond. Exactly right. You know, people say, well, I don't yep. think. You know, they, they're, they're, not, they're not thinking. I don't care what you think because yeah, you're not feeling. thinking. You're conditioned, and you're responding according to your conditioning, yep. and that's all it is, and they get it off television, you know. Yep. And like so, we said the other day, we need to get unconditioned. Unconditioned. That's great. <laughs> Somebody came on. I think it was Murr that came on and laid that on us, Paul. It was either Murr or Laura, one or the other. Well, good, a real good handle. Let's get get unconditioned. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned on my show that day, too. I like that idea. I do, too, Jim. But, uh, that's all I got for now. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for checking in. Give us the feedback, Jimbo. Go ahead and go back to listening. Doc, no you want to say something? No, I was saying it was my fault. I went back and 
found it like everybody else does. Okay. Yeah, but always, anyway, I'm on. All right. Well, it's always a human error generally in these computer things, isn't it, Paul? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it usually is. Sorry, I just thought I'd try a different answer to see what it sounded okay. like. Yeah, it usually is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, what's going on? I ha- I hesitate to ask, but I figure I got to. It's certainly in the in your realm day to day. It's very important. Get a thumbnail if you can on what's going on with the Brexit. The last I saw a headline, even the Tories are leaving Boris's no Brexit deal and. and Quite frankly, with all the other stuff, I just can't keep up on it with a day-to-day basis. I know you can. You're right there, and it affects you a lot more than any of us, but we want to understand it. Well, we we will get a Brexit. We will get – there's something's going to happen where we are no longer – attached to the European Union in the way that we used to be, and they will call it Brexit. So we will get something, and it will be touted as that, and uh, maybe people will run around and look happy and say, hurrah. But it's nothing like the real necessary steps that the British people want. It won't be that. Um, uh, The reason I can say that, irrespective of whatever the details are, is that we took this decision three over three years ago and from that point to now we have been looking at um uh, a system of government here in this country that is not interested in doing what it's been told to do um and i've been reading some very interesting articles recently let me give you a quote uh this is very brief it's just in general terms but it applies specifically it says this We have no real democracy. This is about the UK, by the way. It says, uh, we have no real democracy at the present time because, again and again, the people have voted for decisive action, yet again and again their will has been thwarted by obstruction in the talking shop at Westminster. Democracy only begins when the will of the people is carried out. Um, Now, that was said in 1931, okay? So a little while ago, nearly 90 years ago, it's said by Sir Oswald Mosley. And um, from that point to this, that really has been the condition here in this country of so-called democracy. Whenever the actual people of this nation have been invited to make a decision that runs counter to what the <laughs> those who assume they're in charge want, then they just thwart the will of the people, which basically means, uh, and I'm okay with this, uh, that we don't live in a democracy. I've known it for a long time. You know, if, if democracy is to have anything, then when we say something, it should be so. Um, but it isn't. And so uh, what the people of this nation wanted uh, from Brexit is that getting out of Europe is actually only the first step. You know, earlier we were talking about these elephants in the room. Um the actual thrust of the people that voted to leave is they not only want to be out of out of political union with Europe, we're quite happy to trade with Europe. No, no one has an issue with that at all. Uh, no one ever did have. No one had a problem with what was called the common market to make for a effective trade. Um, but not only do we want out of the European Union, we also want a lot of people who are currently residing in this nation out of here as well. 
we actually want that. And that's the, that's the elephant that will not be spoken about. They cannot raise it at all. It's not to be addressed. And everything around Brexit has to be about other issues, which are part of this drama. Um, and everybody is being given a voice to um, you know, amplify their particular points. But the actual elephant in the room is that. The number one concern of Britons that voted to leave, the number one by miles, was uncontrolled immigration. But I'm going to suggest it goes even further than that. Not only do we want it stopping, we want it reversed. And uh, what I've just said, of course, is so toxic that no one would let me anywhere within, within a mile of a newspaper or a national microphone to say something like that. But I can assure you that that is what's going on with the vast majority of actual Britons, people like me. That's exactly what's going on, and it will not be voiced at all in the media. I was looking at a uh, headline on Zero Hedge this morning. It was about Sweden. I think it said one, one out of four women are afraid to go out in Sweden. And as I was reading the bottom of the article, one yep. of your favorite guys, one of your fellow countrymen over there, Mr. John David Joseph Paul Watson, whatever his name is, uh, did, ha, did about a nine, ten-minute piece on Sweden. His usual quick edit deal, but, man, it's startling what's going on over there. I mean, do you know that they have put a Muslim at the head of the National Committee? Yeah, on, on I do, but the, the operative I mean, word, yeah. No, you're right, Roger. I mean, I would say the operative word there in what you said is they. When we, when we, <laughs> when, when I use words like we and they, I, in my own mind, I've got specific groups and forces at play, but they're not the way that they are to be consumed in public discourse. In other words, we would talk about our politicians. Well, I'll be, we, I don't have any, I don't have a politician here. I haven't seen one <laughs> in the UK that represents me and Britons and Englishmen. There isn't one. Not even Nigel Farage. Let me tell you why. And not even Boris Johnson. And Boris Johnson's not English either. He was born in New York. And his main her hereditary line is Turkish and Jewish. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is everybody pretending to be Englishmen and having my interests at heart. And they're not listening to me. And I'm using me figuratively, right? Well, but they don't listen. Now, you it's know, the old difference not, of not what we, we don't. We have a lot of politicians and what we need truly are statesmen and there's very few statesmen out there ron paul being one on our side and a few others there's a few not many they're certainly not the majority yeah and uh, that that take the interests of the country and the people and the culture and the society in mind as opposed to their own pocketbook and the forces that prey on people in positions like that well, yeah, the, the, the system is shot. Well, um, it, it always goes the, the back. Problem is not that, the problem is not that I don't know it or that you don't know it or that others don't know it. The problem is that the vast majority of people still don't see it. Yep. This is why they write to their MP. This is why they participate in these communications. They've never, ever, ever done what we asked them, ever. They've never done it. I, I was talking to someone, I said, God, but you can go back hundreds of years. Tell me when those, that group of people ever did anything that the actual nation wanted. They've never done it. In 1937, this nation did not want to go to war with Germany at all. Overwhelming. 80% of people didn't want it. It didn't make any difference. Right? It didn't make any difference. Um, 
we we didn't want anybody to come in after 1945. We weren't even asked. The people that had fought and died and, and what was left of them, they didn't want that. They weren't even asked. Now, this is good, but the point has got to be people have got to stop withdrawing from that. In other words, we've got to go full cold turkey on democracy because it doesn't exist. It's just a word, well, as far as I'm concerned, that's just hung on a hang. It's just a ridiculous it, word. There isn't a, any. It, um, it, in Greek, yeah. it's a combination of demo and, uh, and another word, and it means literally translated mob rule. And what I've it said does. for a long time is that it, the only thing it means is that 51% of them realize they can vote their hands into your pocketbook, and it's done. Well, it's true. But, I mean, I would suggest it is mob rule. It's just that over here, the mob is the Houses of Parliament. And that is a corrupted and corroded mob. They don't well, do look, what they're told. Look at our, you know, they're look just at not going to do And they're not going to do it now. As they a correlative to what you're going through with Brexit on that issue level, look what's going on with Trump. And, 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 and now that the Russia fiasco is over for three years, now we got this impeachment fiasco, which is based on anonymous whistleblowers, where one, the second one that's come forward was the original source for the first one that's come forward. And uh, yeah. uh, all of the crap that they're trying to do. What, hey, here's a whistleblower. His name came up earlier. What about Julian Assange? Why don't we hear anything about him? Okay, and wherever yeah. it is, Why it's not? this faction and this divide and these deep state people, these Satanists, Communists, Marxists, however many labels you want to put on them because there's an unlimited number to hang on them, Okay. But it's those people that, with their power and with their influence and with their ability to move the herd, are at the absolute root of this. The good news is they're being exposed, and they're being exposed, and they're losing to the point that the one point where I guess maybe not democracy but republicanism came forward is it got Trump in the White House. And look, Donald Trump has got a lot of faults or a lot of things I disagree with him about vehemently, okay? But he is really bucking these guys, and he's got them freaked out, which in, in essence is the same thing that's happening with Brexit and the forces that are carrying that forward, no matter how neutered the the object is, you know? Well, maybe, Roger. I mean... You've got to forgive my uh, deep-seated English cynicism about the whole thing. As I said, we will get a Brexit, but it won't be what the people want. It won't be the full-blown thing. And the whole of the situation is being continually readjusted so that the drama is continually extended for the news cycle for whatever reason. When, in fact, we're facing a very rather basic situation. There's nothing really complicated about this, except there is, because those that thrive on getting paid for sorting out complexity are very keen that we have as much complexity as as possible. Yeah. Um, the, the, the whole idea will be to humiliate this nation and it can only be done by the traitors within it right now that are working on that that's the problem in other words this nation is not led by people that care about the nation of england they don't um and they come from a long line of people who put their own interests before uh, the normal working people of this nation who i love and who i am of 
And so we don't have a voice. Now, I'm not crying about that. What I'm, what I'm trying to say in all my personal communications and even here to anybody is this. Ignore them. You will get nothing from them. Please show me on a sheet of paper when you have ever got anything from these people when you have asked them to do something sensible, ever, once, in the entire history of the nation. It's never happened, certainly not in the last few hundred years. Why do you think it's going to happen now? It will not. The people that, that govern us, just as the people that govern you, they're exactly the same. They're interested in hanging around with all the other people in the world that do all the governing. They're not interested in hanging around with the likes of you and me. They don't even care that our ideas are good and better. That's irrelevant. All they know is there's some power in the world to be had, and they're going to have it. That's it. Even if, they, even if they're going to abuse that power, their goal is to make sure that nobody else has it. And so everything else, it seems to me, is just a sort of, it's a charade. You know, there's, there was a brilliant observation. I quoted Oswald Mosley, who was a, a very interesting figure. He was derided much during his lifetime, but he's a highly intelligent man. I mean, he makes most modern politicians look like mental pygmies, really. I mean, they're a joke in comparison. And the reason is not because his ideas are complicated, but because he goes to the heart of the matter so often. One of the observations he made, which I thought was, Simple and very, very useful. I may have mentioned it here before because I was covering it with um, Andrew Carrington-Hitchcock about six or seven months back. He said, um, he said, in a business, you have a board of directors who make the decisions to take the business forward. In government, you also have a board of directors. These are the elected party to occupy the seats of government. But you also have something else over here. It's called the opposition. It's like an anti-board of governors or directors. And their job is to frustrate the operations and efficiency of the government, is to oppose them at every possible turn so that they can't do things the way that they want to do and to have them do the things that the other party wants to do. Seriously, is this sane? It is not. And what we're facing in this nation is you can see that the nation is split because many, many people don't even know what a nation is. They've no idea what it You're is. You're right. You're right. I, they've no idea what it is. They don't know. You know, I was, I was out with someone the other day, nice person, um, last week, and athletics came up on the TV. I, I don't like athletics, Roger. It's like watching paint dry for me. It's incredibly boring. Anyway, everybody's kind of watching it because they just stick these TVs in pubs all the day, which dumb down the conversation. I'm just getting exhausted with it. I want to throw bricks through screens. And when we're out in a pub, mobile phones should be banned, right? Everybody gets them out and they just all drift off into their own little space. Anyway, personal rant aside, <laughs> this stuff comes up and there's some athletes running around in circles or something. And they say, oh, this is good. I'm going, ah, I said, I've got a problem. I said, the main problem with athletics, I said, have you noticed? I said, all these races, right, that they have when they run them, have you noticed that the fastest person always wins? And they said, well, yeah, that's the whole point. I said, it's boring. I said, what's the point of that? I said, we know it's a bit like a cardiovascular exercise. You can actually measure who's going to do it in most cases. You'd be right 199 times out of 100. You go, well, this guy's got bigger lungs, stronger lungs. We've measured everything. You don't even need to run the race. He's going to win it. I'm sorry. You have to forgive my cynicism. Somebody out there might love athletics. I have a problem with any sport where it only goes as quick as a human being can go. That's why I like sports with balls in because they can go very, very quick and they change the dynamic of what's going on. But that said, we're watching this and there's an athlete running around. I forget her name. She's probably a fine athlete and everything. She said, well, we've got this person in it. I said, no, that, that person's not English. 
And uh, this person said to me, she said, oh, yes, she is. She was born here. I said, it's got nothing to do with it. She said, and this woman said to me, doesn't it? I said, no, it doesn't. I said, you've heard of Rudyard Kipling? She said, oh, yeah. I said, well, he was born in India. Do you think he's an Indian? She said, oh, I've not thought about that before. It was a great little chat. That's, <laughs> it was, that's, it a, very, that's a very good comeback. Okay, and what well, you touched not, on? I'm not trying well, to have an no, look, what you're touching on yeah. is this difference in 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 the the way your hereditament is passed. Okay, and what you're talking is, is about is this important or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah it <clears> is. Imp- <throat> hell, it's it's enslaved my whole damn country. Are you kidding? Is it important? Okay, and that other way, what exactly, you said, but I'm, I'm throwing it out as questions. Yes, yep. and what she said there. Well, they were born here. Well, there's your there's your feudalism. That's the birthright. Well, it's just yeah. I'm trying to have this conversation, Roger. You see, I keep the reason I'm recounting it as well. I'm continually trying to improve refine. the effectiveness of the communication around refine. this topic because refine. it's very toxic. Refine. It's, yeah. Well, it's toxic. Yeah, refine. and I can't tell anybody. But what I'm seeking to do is to get them to start asking questions so that. Th- Something gets lit. And she said, well, what? what is a nation? <laughs> I said, uh, well, uh, a, a nation is a, a racially homogenous tribe or group of people bound together by a common history, language, and culture. I said, the, the, opera, the most important thing is that you've got to be of the same race. And you can't have any impairment of that race. You can't be half in it and half out of it. I said, because she can't. <laughs> and this is not down to you or me or what we like. This is down to the what's so, right? So she gets a phone out. She starts looking these words up in the dictionary, which was great. I didn't mind. I thought it was really good, you know. And she said, oh, it does say that. I said, yeah. I said, so there you go. This person. I said, I know everybody's saying that she's English and everything, but she isn't. Okay. I said, I'm not trying to be nasty. So we've got to decide what, what, what words are going to mean. And we know. The reason I go into this over and over again is that part of this whole sort of Marxist, Trotsky dialectic garbage that they do is continually to readjust words to get them to mean certain things, which they're going to use for 20 years, and then they will seek to change the meaning to then expose you as being an idiot for the previous 20 years. So it can't do that. You've got to really nail the words down. And then the question is, is it important to you that English people wear a shirt called England because it is to me because if you don't want to do that right then I'm not watching right I'm not interested in what you're doing and you can tell me that this is a world-class athlete running for England but I'm telling you it isn't it's irrelevant what you're doing it's culturally so irrelevant and pointless I can't be bothered right I'd rather go watch paint dry which is what I do well what's the point of it I put it in my book it was a mantra in the early days of these broadcasts and it's an old childhood rhyme that I kind of turned a little bit. And it says, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can just enslave me. Mm-hmm. Well, they do. They do. And it's, it's not a matter of having an argument. I'm not arguing with people. I'm trying to have a communication in which the opportunity to show right. things right. Can, can be brought to that to, point. Well, have I would, look. I, I'm, I'm, that's, I'm saying, why don't you go and have a look? From your story, from your story that you just related to us, I was very encouraged that the girl went and looked up the words. Most people won't even do that. They'll nod. Well, in the back of their mind, they go, boy, that's one of those damn wackos, and they walk off. 
I mean, look, the, uh, the, the other day, about a month ago to maybe two at our lunch, when I met one of the uh, retired state department guys that lives here, that comes around, nice guy. You'd really like him. He was, I mean, you could tell if you met this guy and talked with him and somebody said, what does he do for a living? You go, I bet that guy's a diplomat. I mean, he's kind of like that really. Okay. And, uh, he's mm -hmm. lived outside the country for most of his life. He's an interesting guy. And we got into this conversation there at the start and, I quoted him the uh, the phrase, uh, the line, the dialogue from Humpty Dumpty and, and Alice, you know. How can you make a word mean so many different things? Who's to be master? That's all. And he looked at me very quizzically, and he said, does it say that in there? <laughs> I went, yeah. And then mm -hmm. later he goes, I ain't buying it. I went, okay, I don't care if you buy it or not, you know, really. I've gotten ambivalent to it anymore, how people react to it. As I've come to realize, like you're doing, that it, your, your, your duty is just to, to tell them in some way, shape, or form to alert them to, uh, to, to rattle, you know, grab them by the ears verbally maybe and shake them a little bit and say, hey, start using those gray cells a little bit. Come on, man. Gone, it's, you know. Well, it, the thing is, it's relatively the, the the cost of entry is very low. You have the equipment on you all the time. It's just between your ears, and if you make use of it, it gets better. Uh, there's not many many things that are quite like that, and also you can do it, and nobody knows that you're doing it. You can be you can actually be doing thinking, and no one knows what's going on. Scary. It scares our enemies. It, it scares our enemies. Scares, scares the, the living pants off of them. Yep. Of course it does, because they're involved in the lying business. And why are they involved in the lying business? Because they're at the tail end of centuries, millennia of lies. And they've doubled down and doubled down and doubled down. This is the problem, you see, with the, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Often, rightfully, you people like you and I and others would think, well, if we can get the truth out there, it will be all to the good. No. It will be to the good for you and I, because we find that it's oxygen for the soul, and without it, we, our lives are, are far, far less important, vital in all sorts of ways. We find ourselves subdued if we, if we can't be in the presence of that. But if you're involved on the other side and someone starts exposing the current lies of today, they get in a deep panic, understandably, because they've been defending lies for centuries. These things, got, they, they get worse. Once you've understood the principle of exposing deceit today, as, as you've done, as many listeners here do, you can plow into the books. You begin to read them with a new gimlet eye. You see right through it. You go, I know what the story is here. It's not the story that I would have taken on board when I was 15 at school. Now I know what forces are at play. And it starts to them to look very bad because it is very bad. It's very, very bad. It's really, really, really bad. And so what truth is going to do, it, the more we use of it, is the more the stink round is going to go up because we're going to have to unsettle the entire sewage pile of lies and that is what's happening and and of course this thing on hate speech is exactly that once this process begins uh, uh the real irony of course is hate speech is speech that the other side hates because it's going to reveal all the things they've been up to i mean you know that there is literally no ground on which to stand but they've got a lot of colleagues to share in it i mean it's interesting here um the other night uh roger there's a a chap over here called Ian Hislop, and he's the editor of um, a long-standing satirical magazine. It's possibly the only one left now called Private Eye. And Private Eye was established in the 1960s and has taken an extremely uh, aggressive, hostile 
approach of criticism and and applied satirical skill at the entire political class and has done so rather brilliantly at times. It certainly did in the early days. Anyway, um, he's just done a program about fake news. And I, and it, <laughs> I just had to watch it because it was about an hour long and it was made by the BBC. Now, Really, seriously, you know, we're talking about foxes being in charge of the hencoop here. I guess. And, yeah, really, seriously. And it, and it seemed to be lost on him. And I shouldn't say that because he's a very bright man. He's very bright. He's linguistically very skillful. He's in, uh, But he comes across as a bit of a smug pants, and he knows that, I think. I'm, I'm not saying he's an unpleasant person. I actually find him quite comical at times. But with regards to this topic, the irony of what was saying seemed to be completely lost on him, the production crew, anybody that read the script. They were having a go at one point on the protocols of the learned elders of Zion and just dismissed it as a forgery. And I thought... Okay, that's just one sentence into the whole thing. But obviously, you know, they're not going to sit on that topic long enough for us to get to a point where a rebuttal can be formed. You're just supposed to swallow down the first big lump of lie that they give you. And it's not so much that they think that they're lying. That's what makes it so dangerous. I'm sure they don't think that. It's that they fail to see that their inquiry is so thin because they are instantaneously convinced that everybody, you know, so that he's trotting all these phrases out like fake news. Trump was kind of mocked within it. For, I mean, the fact is that I'm not a big Trump fan of the one that's arrived in the office. The one that was on the hustings, as I've said, was great. He never turned up. But the fake news comments by Trump are, are about the only part of his communication that's true. He's starting to turn up a little lately. I, he's pulling us out of Syria. Uh, I, yep. I, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Well, he with, says he yeah. is. He said it about four times. Hasn't right. He? Well, he said it about four. I'm not having a go at the guy, but you'll just have to see. We'll, we'll if see. It actually happens. Well, Turkey's yeah, Turkey Turkey's invading Syria as we speak, so we'll see. Really, and uh, yeah. But I I I seem to but feel thing, more Robert, with of, this international stuff. Let me just finish. I feel I seem to feel more Sorry. of the true, you know, of what the things that he talked about on the campaign trail uh, come into the yep. forefront as he sheds some of these shackles that have been put on him for a couple of years. Now, listen, man, I've, there's a lot of stuff he's doing in, in the realms he's in that I don't approve of worth a damn. But I've seen more nationalistic moves here from him than I've seen in 20, 30 years. So, hell, I'm pleased. You know, as I was saying the other day. 25 years ago, I'd have never dreamed we'd see the lights at the end of the tunnel we see today in some of these areas, in all honesty. Yeah. I thought it'd no, be the dystopia days of Clockwork Orange by now. I mean, in some areas it is. Okay, and approaching oh, I wouldn't hold that. your breath too long. You've got, you've got an election coming up next year. And uh, we could be in dystopia by the middle of, of 2020. We might all have 2020 vision, but not the sort of 2020 vision that we want in 2020, if you get my drift. I think because things you, could be... I think next mad. fall, I think next fall you're going to see the backbone of the couch sitters over all these set decades and the people that are coming to their senses become a real factor. Now, I may be wrong, okay, but I don't think so. I think the further that they get and push and pull these kind of fake things that are obviously fake, obviously meant to impede, deceive, uh, topple, and everything else, that maybe it's going to wake that backbone up of people that, while being asleep, has allowed us to get into this position. That's my hopes, okay? And that's my sense, really. 
but we'll see. Um, listen, you want me to? Uh, you want me to see if I can bring Jack on and get the up to date here on Ecuador? Oh, sure, Roger. You okay. do do what you yeah. All right. Well, I'm let me let me see. I think you can do an ad person to the call. I gotta find him somewhere here. Uh, or if he's Jack's usually listening, he can certainly call in. Uh, oh, hold it. I got a search thing up here. <laughs> okay. Let's see. I bet you we can get him right there. Let's see if I can round this boy up to the conversation here uh this is an interesting situation here it's it's uh caused by the same people and a, a real a fight for the country's resources the whole area of course you know how i was thinking earlier i'll know when it's really getting bad because the venezuelans will start going back to venezuela <laughs> Yeah. So we'll see. That's really bad. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it, it's interesting because it's an IMF play. And why I mentioned Julian Assange earlier is it's one of the ways. Here's what happened down here in a nutshell thumbnail, Paul, for you and anybody that doesn't know this background. They had a basically a socialist communist leader down here named Correa for, for 10 years. And you can only serve 10 years as president. He's the one that built the new airport and, and some of the things he did. Yeah, there's a lot of corruption. Anywhere there's money and government, there's going to be corruption. Well, I guess if Jax must be uh, unavailable, he'll call in if he wants to when you want to call in Jack. If something happens and, Jack, you get way late or something, we just plan it for tomorrow. Uh, but Correa, anyway, uh, got out of office because he couldn't run one of his uh, assistant uh, uh, president, vice president got elected. This guy's in a wheelchair and uh, a lot of his, well, his first name is Lennon. Lennon Moreno. And so one of the things that they did well, after the election was the U.S. is trying to get in here. Well, Ecuador's got problems. There's Jack coming on board. Ecuador's got problems because one of the ways Correa financed all these all this improvement and all these all this corruption was through the future selling of the country's oil because they're an oil, they're an OPEC member, and uh, then the price of oil bottomed, and he had at somebody told me the other day at the time it was ninety five dollars a barrel and Korea sold it to the Chinese for seventy five dollars a barrel and didn't have any provisions in the contract if it went below seventy five which it did. And so right. that's the status that the new government comes in. They're strapped financially. That gives the IMF a way to get in here in an opening. And they come in and loan them $4 billion or something or, you know, however they do it. They loan them $4 billion worth of credit. It's what they do. And now they're starting to, as you've seen uprisings around the world and other places, they've come in and put in their reforms package. And the first thing they did was this first one, this caused all this crap, was – Oh, I think diesel, Jack, you can correct me on all the the price of diesel went from like a dollar three a gallon to two ten or something, and the price of regular fuel went up twenty five percent and that's what's caused all this isn't that right or in the ballpark Jack, you there I know you're yeah, there. that's in the ballpark so, yeah. well now hold it you're, yeah. you're, you're diesel went from a dollar well, Jack, you, you're Jack. funky. You're funky today. We're having clipping on you. Let's see if you can if the stream will get picked up here. 
So is that right? Go. Let's start again. Can, was, uh, was that about right on the on the prices and the, the what's caused all this commotion, this ongoing commotion in the country? Yes. Yes. Well, what else are hey, you? Can you hear me now? Well, yeah, I think so. It's a little better. <laughs> it's. A, I can hear Shiva. So what's going on around the country? I, it, Why don't you let me reboot? All right. Why don't you do that, Jack? Reboot and no, join us back. Yeah, go ahead. Reboot. And, yeah, go ahead and do that. It must be on your end. Everybody else is pretty stable today. Um, so I guess in a yeah, minute. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. After the okay. reboot, we'll get uh, we'll get Jack back and get a little more definitive information. You know, Jack is an old friend of mine. We've known each other, Paul. We've known each other for way uh, more than twenty five years. From back in the days of the uh, of our Patriot group in Atlanta, there's several of those folks still hang around, and uh, we had knew each other back then, not super well, but certainly knew he uses all the presentations I'd give on this tax stuff. That's the only side of it I knew back then was the tax side, and so he went off on his adventures. I left Atlanta, and we didn't cross paths again for 15 years or more. And he heard me on a radio show i was doing one night with adrian salbucci from down there in argentina and uh got a hold of me and here i am a few years later up here living in this area so jack's an old friend but what he's been doing he he got here in south america a month after i did 11 years ago i landed down there and he landed up here and to support himself after he got his feet on the ground he start put up a business it's called journeyman jack you can put it in any search engine a bunch of stuff will come up and uh, he basically helps either people visiting uh, as a guide or people moving in or if they're leaving and getting out. And he's been doing that for years. And so he knows the entire country. He's put expats in virtually every city where any of them go to live and has a real vast web of connections all through the country and is very highly admired and, and thought of and uh, just a real resource for us so i'm hoping he can because if anybody from our standpoint will know from his vast uh, amount of connections it'll be jack and give us a good overall picture that's why i kind of wanted to have him on this morning uh so we'll see if he gets booted back up and comes back in it's an interesting situation a little sleepy ecuador man and uh it hadn't turned super violent that i know of they're like uh blocking roads and but it is organized uh, in some respect, it may be Correa and his forces coming back and trying to put their hand in the country and operate it from through Venezuela and their other comrades. But I don't know all that stuff, but it sure is sad to see all these uprisings going on all over the world. There's a whole bunch of them, man. I mean, your Brexit's why I want you to talk about it, what's going on here in my little old country. And Ecuador's a pretty small little country, really. Uh, Hong Kong, you've got, uh, I don't know, it looks like with this situation in Turkey and Syria that they're saying they're some German minister who's just been down on a fact-finding trip this morning came out in Germany saying that they got another wave of migrants coming that's going to swamp what happened a couple of years ago. So Yeah, that, well, that's the, <clears throat> that's the whole thing. I mean, we've, we've mentioned before, haven't we, that, um, I, you know, I haven't read it for a long time. I don't know if I'll read it again, but uh, I just mentioned the protocols of the learned elders of, you know, Scooby-Doo. And um, uh, there's a section in there where they talk about 
a certain phase of the operations where the leaders of the world will come to appear ridiculous in the eyes of the electorate and that all things will be crashing around them and then they will step in and save it. Obviously with the, don't worry, the world government is here, we're going to sort everybody's problems out kind of garbage. Um, and they are exacerbating every single one of these issues. None of these things need to have happened. I mean, and the reason that they occur or that they have occurred, there's all sorts of reasons, I suppose, but primary ones are people have got the wrong idea and have been easily misled, very easily misled, uh, when politicians have opened their mouths. I mean, the, the, the mantra over here has been, oh, we need all these migrants here to do all the jobs that you won't do. Yeah, that was... Now, the, the actual response to that is, we don't want to do those jobs, and we don't want anybody else to do them either. We don't care. Uh, how about that? You see, the whole driver is the economy. You know, let's come back. I mean, this is, is this thing, this magical thing called the economy, which nobody understands anyway, except that we're supposed to keep on making it better. Why? What's the point of that? We don't need to. No one's, you know, that thing about asking the right, no one's asking the right questions. All they ask is, it seems to me, Roger, is how do we improve this? I'm kind of one of these guys at the side going, why do you want to improve a machine that's crap? It's rubbish. I don't want to improve it. You can't improve something that's already highly toxic and dangerous to most people. You may have noticed if you stand back and look at this financial machine that a few people get a disproportionate amount of wealth, power, and control, and the rest of you are being continually whipped around the ears with words and this, that, and the other to keep it going. Why? <laughs> I wish What's I could, the point? I wish I could get up that old H.L. Mencken quote at my fingertips that talks about a, an endless series of hobgoblins and whatever else that are put in front yeah. of the public. He was very accurate with it. Here's a good response for you, Paul. You may want to put it in your back pocket when that learned elders of Zion forgery comes up again. Yeah. And you go, doesn't every forgery have an original? That's right. I do, I do use that one because it's obviously self-evidently true within the criticism. But uh, you, the people that criticize it, given these, um, like the other night, given these platforms um, to say it on, Pro I've probably never read it. They just trot out this stuff, right? And and the question that needs to be asked is, or there's a series of them, but one would be, hmm, what do you think it is in certain people that makes them so mentally defective that they think that this is true? They why? don't think. Please That's explain the, not why discerning. you are so right and, the, and people like me are mentally defective. They have no discernment. They don't ask the second question. They take the first the first uh, uh, little objection that's thrown out there, and they buy it. Okay, now think that through a little bit. The forgery thing, if you go back and read about it, was a decision by, uh, surprise, surprise, a judge over there in Germany who, under in the background, had been paid copious amounts of money to say that. Okay, it was such a forgery, such a forgery, that if you got caught with a copy of one in communist Russia, they shot you on the spot. That's how big a forgery it was. <laughs> you see, it's where people stop asking questions that the problems begin. Yes, it nearly is. every single. It is, and uh, in the case of this program, that's exactly what happened. They were making firm, declamatory statements. You can believe us, and not getting the, the whole problem that they've got is that no one believes anything they say at all now because they keep saying things like that. What they're, the program was still believers. No, 
No, that that stopped quite a while ago. You are so out of touch. They're like, you know, really mental dinosaurs. They're massively out of touch. Uh, interestingly, um, the man that used to head up the BBC, uh, as you know, I consider it the most toxic uh, organization in this nation, the number one weapon uh, that needs to be subdued and transformed. It doesn't need to be destroyed. You couldn't do that, but it does need to be transformed to be on our side as opposed to pointing its weapons at us. And by us, I mean the actual British people. It doesn't represent our interests at all. It's a globalist tool of, as you know, brainwashing. But the the guy that used to head it up was a guy called, I think, Matthew Thompson. Uh, you'd be pleased and thrilled, Roger, to know that he's now the head of the New York Times well, newspaper. <laughs> and they went to interview him. And he was saying, yeah, yeah, people are beginning to believe fake news. I'm going... No, no, stop, stop. You're obviously telling a gag, are you? But they weren't. They were straight-faced. Okay. Well, he, was, he was on duty when the Jimmy Savile stuff was coming out. This guy, they're just so fast to forget their own failings, but everybody Bad. else is wrong, but not us. Bad. We're journalists, you know. We were trained. Trained in what? Jimmy, Jimmy <laughs> Savile was a hideous individual. In, in virtually that culture from is still there, Roger. What that I culture can tell, is still there. Every way, shape, and form, he was a hideous individual. Yeah, but he wasn't alone. You see, because this is what this is the thing you do. It's not a lone operator getting away with it for 25, 30 years, thirty-five years. He was supported. He was covered up for. It goes everywhere, and most of those people are still there. Yep. Now this is obvious. The whole thing. Have you noticed? The whole thing needs the most powerful bleach and disinfectant passing through its endocrine system. You've got to get it cleaned out. Have, but, I, have, you know, have you in noticed the interim, the, we have to endure it. The name Gisellaine Maxwell has virtually dropped out of the news in the last month. Now, oh, no. I mean, here's a, here's a girl that was a total accomplice, and no doubt the handler, all this yeah. at the center of this. And, well, I guess she's just disappeared. Let's go. Let's go chase some of these white supremacists over here. They're the ones that are causing all the problems. <laughs> it's just, it's unbelievably transparent for those who are looking. Yeah, I mean, you know, they quoted a, a court decision. But you see, we've hit a point where we don't invest any authority in courts. Why should I? Who are those people? We've had an incident, as you know, here recently. We've got this thing i think it's probably what i was touching on last week before things went slightly technically haywire a couple of weeks back we'd had this decision from an entity over here called the supreme court now i'm a british person and honestly we don't have one that's what you guys have you have a supreme court you've had one for a a long time you have a high court the king's bench all that kind of stuff you don't have a supreme court we do No, but Tony Blair wanted one so he created one in 2005 i mean you know as 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 its lineage goes, as its line of origin goes, that's not a good start. And that's a massive understatement. This is a man uh, who, uh, you know, he's not Mr. Integrity. Let's put it this way. He's compromised. That boy's compromised in every... Oh, well, there's every... all sorts of things. That's definitely one. That's definitely true. I think that's definitely true. He's not, he's not held in 
any regard whatsoever by any normal sane Englishman, of which there are still a lot of us left, right? No one regards him with any favour at all. So he wants this thing to create this court, creates a Supreme Court. There's 11 people on it, the great, the good, whoever they may be. And they may be jolly good people, you know, under certain circumstances. Game of croquet, five double gins, I might get on with them really well. But when it comes to what they were doing, somebody did a little essay about them. And every single one of them are Remainers. They all want to stay in you, all 11 of them. And this is noted from their personal comments and little essays, communications that they've made over the years about how important it is to them. So it was no surprise whatsoever that they basically invalidated uh, Boris Johnson's proroguing thing, which I don't want to wade into again because it's just another sort of marker post along this meandering mad journey. But what it did show is that we don't trust these things. They keep on saying, you must trust us. And the more they say it, the less we do. You see, it's something that's earned and they've squandered it. It's all been squandered. That that residue of trust has been squandered. And, and every day that goes by, uh, certainly since 2016, has just amplified this. Um, it's just amplified it. And, it. and it is, Roger, I think also on very, very, you mentioned earlier, you know, about politicians really looking after and lining their own pocket. And it's such a low-grade goal when you think about it. It really is. You're going, are you, you know, I've often had this thought, seriously? Just for that? Is that it? But actually, I think in many cases it really is. That these really are low-grade people. They really are low-grade people. And they just want to hang around with their mates, uh, drinking the champagne from the European trough. Many of them have been promised great jobs in the future European Union thing, and they want these jobs. And they also want all the plaudits, no matter how bogus and false and how much those of us in the stalls at the back are falling about laughing at how inept, stupid and bovine we think they are. It doesn't matter with them. These people are literally impervious to that. They live yeah. in their own a sort of echo chamber. They live in their own bubble and they go, oh, look, I've got gold cufflinks or whatever they get. That's going to change. It. That's going to change as the economy crashes, because as we've uh, explored one day, we had our good student friend and caller listener, Lauren, call in. And she tells people about what she's doing in a very nice way. And one of her neighbors got real ups, upset. Don't you do that? How could you do that? You know, I, don't, I would never be a non-American, a national, a non-citizen, all that stuff. And so somebody called in and asked a question, said, well, is that guy in a financially good position? You know, yeah. I mean, in other words, his ox hadn't got gored yet. And the economy, they're still able to have that facade and keep it intact to some extent. It's starting to uh, disintegrate now. But uh, but as that happens, Of course, it doesn't have to more, disintegrate, Roger. No, 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 it is because they can't control these forces. Not totally. They well, want to. Well, I would say that they, they can. No. They, I would say they can. I, I say that they're controlling them exactly to the outcome that, that you're talking about. Because the, the problem is to do with the type of brains and the type of heads that are in these positions of decision-making power. They're useless. The problem we have is that, A, we can't convince these brains that they're useless. There's no way to do that. I mean, because I'm a pleb, right? This is the problem. There is no communication taking place. We're kind of governed by these, this sort of strange, weird automaton culture at the top that has been basically kissing bottoms, these people, their entire lives, and can't stop. And uh, the ruin will come about, not because it's avoidable, it's completely avoidable, uh, but not with these people at the helm. They're going to they're gonna manage it 
according to the implicit commands that are already well, there. Let me because they do believe in this globalistic nonsense. Let me let me phrase it another way. There's a day of reckoning coming. I hate to mimic Bill Bonner and steal his line, but there's a day of reckoning coming. As uh, you know, Brent has said on here a couple of times, you, if you've never heard him say it, Paul, you'll appreciate this. Politics is Hollywood for ugly people. Yes, I have heard that one, and it is a good one, and it's true. Although they're not all ugly, are they? No, no, no. But no. they are inside. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They are inside, well, and, and they and go again, that way. And maybe not all of them. There's a few good ones that get in there for the right reasons and get in there and get frustrated by the system. They leave. I was it's, listening uh, to it's a, simply that we've got, you know, I was listening yeah, to a sorry. former congressman. That's okay. It just came to my mind as an afterthought. Do an interview with a former congressman. I don't remember what district he's from. And him and another congressman, they'd become good buddies. They got elected in the same class and all that. And they left. And he was one of them was talking about. He said, "If I go out and get if he goes out and raises, which those guys spend a great deal of their time raising political contributions. Do you know that they don't get to keep them?" The contributions they raise have to go to the party, and then the party divvies it back out along with committee assignments, etc. Even the money-making and asking and begging phase of this, the, those guys don't even get all the benefit. I mean, as you can see, as you learn those little tidbits like that and get glimpses into the way the system's structured, I mean, man, these guys have done a good job. And you're right, they're having a great effect. But well, my point yeah. is, eventually, they cannot control all the stuff with the, with the hyperinflation that they've created. Now, they're doing it, and they'll be able to massage it and manipulate it, but just not totally control it. They can't do it. That's why they want everybody with a mark and a chip, because then they can. And still, at that point, they can't control person that's to person. Why I want, peer that's to peer why things. I would suggest, Roger. Well, you know, Paul, the old saying, all politics is local. And I, I thought that was weird when I heard it because everybody wants to get gravitate to presidential politics and all that kind of stuff if you're talking and thinking and it's in your realm. But really, the realistic part is it's all local. And if you can control the local area, you can control that for yourself and your fellows. And you got a band of people there that are a little more homogeneous in their thought. Well, you, you're right. I mean, I, I I just keep getting drawn back in my own mind to the fact that um, all of this could be. If you want to correct all the problem? Just forget, every, forgive every debt tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. Just scrap it all. Oh, of course. Oh, you couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, you could. Oh, yeah, actually, you could. You could. Yeah. If 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 everybody was clear, or if enough people were clear about what the purpose of life is. Uh, it sounds a bit of a grand thing, but what I mean by that is the purpose of life has become, and this is why it's aberrated for most of us, the making of money to service the bills and the debts. Correct. And yet, when we stand back and when you and I and others just take a glimpse at anything, really, you realize how facile and stupid it's all become and how toxic and mad and repeated, the hamster in the wheel is true. No one's stopping to ask the right questions. So in other words, they go, this guy's really intelligent. But I'm standing back from that going, it's irrelevance. This is irrelevant. That intelligence is completely wasted because you're asking all the wrong questions. You're, yep. you're, all you're trying to do is fix a machine that's fundamentally useless to start off with. Yep. 
Why are you doing that? Yep. Why are you not intelligent enough to stand well, back and go? And so if the purpose of life is to make money, Roger, then all of these things, yeah, you, then that's why all these people do these things because they think it is. Well, But if, seeing as how it actually isn't, then we've got a problem because it actually that isn't the goal of life. <laughs> no, it's not. It really it's is. so biblical, and you go back to all these things. You say well, people freak out. You can't forgive all debts. Well, it's, it was done for a long time, and look back at the biblical basis of it uh, and, and, and so many other aspects like – we, we, we can't fight these guys. I can't fight them. You can't fight them. We can't fight them as, as our motley little group here. We can on an individual basis because we can come out of her and we know the truth. No, but I don't we think know our job do is that. to fight but them. It's not. That's what I I'm saying. It, it says specifically not to fight them. It says don't engage with them. Come out of her, my people. Come out of her. Uh, that's our dictate, and there's some sanity and, and reality there that works. Okay. Jack, have you joined uh, yeah, I, us? It's absolutely true. Jack, have you gotten back with us and rebooted and everything? I see your icon up there, but I can't see if you're with us or not. Are you with us? Well, hell, I know. If, if, if for some reason, Jack, because there's a lot happening, he's getting contacted by a lot of people uh, in a headquarters, you know, bivouac-type situation there. We might try and plan to have him on tomorrow if we don't get him on today, and we'll see what develops here on this local situation between now and then uh it's a mel of a hess paul it's a mel of a hess let me just invite anybody that wants uh if you've been uh stimulated tickled uh, you got a real adversarial position to be better and want to come in and give us your voice in it let me tell you how to get us if you're listening and you're new you can call four or get your pencil here 404 that's pretty easy to remember 404 448 1420 404 448 1420 we'd sure welcome your call if you're obliged to otherwise we'll continue with our banter here see if jack's going to come on with us and discuss these things of great gravity internationally i mean there's a lot of really important stuff going on and they're in real important areas and they've got a facade put up at the front in the back the whole thing's rotten and at some point one domino is going to fall and it's going to trigger all of them we're at that point right now maybe today before the sun goes down maybe tomorrow next week hell might be in november december i don't know you don't know but i know that we're close well we're close to something and, of course, a few words here are not really going to affect too much like this tidal wave of madness that's uh, that's all about us. Um, but I, I think, you know, you were saying about you've got to come out of their system. This is true. But we all have to stand, don't we, on, on some ground. So if we're not in that one, it seems to me that, uh, certainly for me anyway personally, what I seek to do with a lot of my thoughts is to try and orientate what I'm talking about with regards to where I actually am going to stand. And that's really that's I get much more encouraged by that uh, personally in terms of thinking about what positive things can be done to actually have what we want. Um, and it sounds like it's the same thing, but it's not really. I mean, we are resisting negatives or we are responding to the negatives that we see. And it's understandable that we do that because <laughs> as we've covered here in the last hour and 15 minutes, there's a lot of them <laughs> that seem to be multiplying every day. Yeah. And you would be a complete idiot to not pay attention to all of these things because that, that could be very dangerous. So you need to have your eyes peeled and aware of it. But by the same token, um, it's also sort of changing our, our, our frequency or our, of thinking to some degree 
about looking at how we bring about what we do want. And and one of the ways that we do it is by stating what it is. And there's not a lot of that going on. No, you got to identify what the I mean problem the, before you can attempt to solve any of it. Yeah, you if you haven't got a goal, how can you achieve it? And get your arms around the source of the aggravation. Yeah. Uh, and it's not our goal is not to remove the banking system or anything. It's not. We, we, it's not ours. It's not even ours. And uh, it could be to transform it. Um, it could be definitely to transform it. I mean, I, I don't know if I was touching on this with you last week, but one of the conversations I've been having recently, maybe it was something that I was touching on, um, and this goes for people in the States as much as it does for people in England, um, and maybe I'm repeating what I said the other week, but I'll just go over it again, is that um, obviously over here we have the Bank of England. On your neck of the woods, you've got the Federal Reserve. Okay. And so here in England, um, all the English people that do all the living and dying around in the working and the paying of taxes, um, they don't have they don't have a share in the Bank of England. And all the American people do not have a share in the Federal Reserve. And so as a very simple argument, a simple thought for normal people who are not going to learn about fractional reserve banking and shouldn't, by the way, it's completely, you know, what's the point, really? This is their scam. You know, how skilled do you want to become in understanding their scam and still find out you can't do anything about it? You know, you've got well, to sort of make some decisions. About that. They may not have a share in the Federal Reserve, but the Federal Reserve's got a share in them. <laughs> Let me welcome Cody. Yeah. Cody? Okay, so that's true. But but what about the conversation, Roger? The, the conversation I'm trying to touch on, as it were, to, to possibly enter into with fellow Americans is, and I've had this with a few English guys, and I've got some interesting responses. And over here it's gone, you're English. You know, it's sort of funny when I say that because we all know that they are. I said, look, I'm going to pitch. I said, you're English. Yeah, you live here. Right, yeah. You pay taxes, you're working, you might have some children. Okay, they're going to be English too, right? I said, and we've got this thing called the Bank of England, and why don't you have any? Sh- why don't you have a share in it? And the response I got back was, "Are there shares in the Bank of England?" <laughs> that was a response. No, but this is great. This is really, really good. I was thrilled about this because they asked a question. Yeah, right. See, that's all you got to do is get people's mind rolling about asking questions. If you don't ask these questions, you're never going to get the answers. You can, and people are asking all the wrong questions. Yep, They're always. saying, how can I make more money? No, that's the wrong question. We're not interested how you can make more money. That's a useless question. What The question you've got to ask is, why do you not own this thing that's in your country? Now, that really got a response. He went, do people own it? I said, oh, yeah. He said, but I thought we owned it. I said, well, have you got a share certificate? He said, no. I said, well, I don't think you own it then. He said, no, I probably don't. He said, who does own it? I said, that's another good question. Do you want to go and find out for me? I said, I tried about 13 times back in 2001, but they just put the phone down on me after a while. They will not talk to me anymore. He said, are there really people that own the the Bank of England? I said, yeah, there really are. And it's not you, is it? He went, no. (laughs) I said, it's not me either. I said, do you want a share in it? Yeah, it won't be. Yeah, that'd be good. Right, I do too. That's two of us. Now we've got to just talk to another 50 million people and we'll have it. You see, that's, I'm just trying to find some basic, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the one, Roger, but there's, there's got to be very basic communications that can be made that people can buy into within a matter of seconds. And these people bought straight into this instantly. They got it. They got the big picture. They said, well, who owns the bank? I said, well, 
you know where it is, don't you? They said, no. I said, well, it's in the city of London. I said, you need to find out about that. Why? I said, because it's not part of London. He said, you're having me on. I said, I'm not having you on. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm not having you on. I said, but I understand why you think I would be. I said, I think your response is completely appropriate. Because they didn't tell you anything about this at school, did they? No. I said, but here you are. You're going to live your entire life, right? And this banking system that's controlling nearly everything that you do, you don't own it. Why Why not? Why don't I own it? Do you want to own it? Yeah. Now, that's what we've got to get to. I want millions of people say, I want my share in the Bank of England. Of course, now, what are the incumbents going to do? They go, oh, you can't have that. Right. That's not how it works. To which my response is, oh, so you don't want a share in the Bank of England. That's fine, mate. We'll have your share. We'll divvy it up amongst the rest of us. Thanks very much. Everybody who wants a share, this is, it's got to get crowd power. Yeah, we want it. I'm, I'm, look, this is maybe not the best example of it, but the same dynamic I want to apply to the BBC over here. It well, should be owned by the people. We pay for that damn well, thing. You know, right? fortunately today we've got things like this radio show, alternative media, Bitcoin, uh, the the old standard that's been around for a long time, gold and silver and those things. So there are alternatives. We just have to get people clued into that and 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 maybe that's the way to overcome them is through the masses and to make democracy work in our favor, okay, and against it's, them. And that can, I that think can even be if done. it didn't, Roger, yeah. I, I was going to say, Roger, sorry for stepping over you, but even if it did, even if it doesn't work, it wouldn't be disappointing. No, nope. because what the the goal is not necessarily not necessarily that you achieve that goal. What it would do is, I found it was a very I didn't have to say many words to get the conversation going. That's the first thing. It was quick. Secondly, it taps in to something fundamental. Yeah, why shouldn't I have a share? Yeah, why shouldn't you? You know, a sense of entitlement. A birthright. You are entitled to it whilst you're alive. A birthright. Why shouldn't you have one? A birthright, if you will. It's a birthright. It's a birthright. You see, and what it does, what it was doing, is it begins to open up the whole conversation really fast. It's great. It was really, really good. That's what I'm interested in, personally, is getting everybody to become the most uppity, questioning, relentless, tiresome communicators. So that when these guys stand up and say, it's going to be like this, going, it isn't. What do you mean? We're not having that. That's what's needed. The reason we're getting rolled over, there's a very good reason why the Bible refers to us as sheep. Yep, sure is. (laughs) And it's our nature. There really is. There, it's our nature to be yep. to be nice, Trusting, compliant, and everything. Want to help people? Absolutely right. Yep, yep, yep. We do, um, and it's in our inherent quality. It's fantastic. But right now, we're well, getting sheared so bad it, they're going to take all our heads off. It's, it's our, not good. It's our inherent qualities being used against us. In all honesty, let me welcome a couple of people here, Paul, that may open up the conversation a bit. Samuel and Cody joined us. Cody joined, left, and came back, and Samuel got in there first. In between, Samuel, how you doing? You got the good phone today. Good. Um, oh, yeah. The other one's long gone. Okay, um, good. I found it a very, um, very interesting website. It's called Corey's Gigs and, uh, dot com, and he lists all of Trump's executive orders, and you can click on them individually and read them, the whole dang thing. Um, and it really does begin to show you what this guy's up to it's pretty fascinating i just 
thought I'd pass that along. I sure hope it's positive. And I think there's some positive things to come out of, of his tenure up there. And if, if nothing else, I've never seen the monkey so shook up over somebody. In, in all honesty. He's on executive order. He's on executive order. I think I counted 215. Wow. As of October 3rd, he updates the uh, thing every week. So that means there's already some well, more there. You but, certainly uh, hadn't heard that in the in the uh, major media. So that's I think that no, would be good news. Only the ones they want to only, only the ones they want to make political like uh separating families at the border and stuff like that. Right, right, right. So uh let me check with Cody. Cody, what's going on? What does Susanna hey. what does Susanna think about all this stuff down here in Ecuador? What does she think? Well, I don't. Just kind of ridiculous, I guess, is what she's thinking with all the uh, you know damaging stuff. She doesn't like the. She said there's 600 Venezuelans that have been uh, arrested, or some 600, some about 600 Venezuelans. I guess I guess they've all been arrested or whatever. So. Well, you know, like they need to do some internment camps for these Venezuelans. Well, that's been needed to be done for a while, evidently. I don't know if you heard me say earlier. I'll know when it's bad when the Venezuelans start going back to Venezuela. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think about that four or five. you guys wrote about it's hard to believe though that uh they really would be going back because i can't i have you know you can't even hardly get food at a decent price there from what i hear or you don't have any money to buy food in venezuela so be surprised if they're actually going back not unless he, you're doing he's got about four you know you know the only people that are surviving in venezuela cody in all honesty the people that are mining cyber, the, the ones that are mining cyber currency. You know, there's people in Venezuela that have Bitcoin and Ethereum and the alternate coins that are easier to mine for them because they can get GPU, mm-hmm. GPU boards easier than than uh, uh, the computer. Well, I suppose people that are mining gold, you know, if somebody's got well, those they can get a probably a few, few of those too. But to but you see, the problem is they can't go on on Amazon and order stuff with gold. They can do it with Bitcoin, get it delivered to Colombia, and somebody right. brings it over to them. So there's a little difference. That that. Oh. That's the utility that's difference. It's really important in the cyber stuff. I've been hammering on it for I was a couple ask of years. Paul Go ahead, ask Paul something. Yeah, good morning, Paul. Uh, did you do Hi. a little research on that proprietarianism that we had talked about a month or so ago? Not yet. <laughs> in okay, fact, it's you... interesting that you mentioned it to me because somebody uh, out of the blue um, about three weeks ago sent me uh, said, I want to pay you lots of money to read a book on proprietarianism. I said, okay. <laughs> so they sent me some stuff, and, and we ended up having a little exchange. They wanted me to do an audio book on it, and they sent me some stuff through. And I said, have you got the copyright on this? And they went, no. I said, okay, then I can't talk to you. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, it's very nice. I said, I it's not that I don't want to talk to you because, you know, you you actually want to send me some money to do something, and I'd be quite happy to do it. But I think you've over. I think you've shot the gun here. And he said, I have. I said, yeah. He was speaking <laughs> on behalf of the author, and he didn't even know the guy. So I've not got round to it, but I've got it down to, as I said, did I mention to you, the word itself is so off-putting. I just want to smack, I, I just can't call it something else, like prop or something. Propertarianism. It's maybe, such a mouth. Maybe it's propertarian and just cut it <laughs> off there. So the ism makes it a little bit too long, I guess. It's a, just but another John ism. John Mark promotes it a lot, and, and you, had, you had talked about John Mark a while yeah. back and then that Eli yes. Harmon 
I guess, actually, Kurt Doolittle is the one, I guess, behind the Propertarianism, who's a computer programmer that now lives in, I guess he's been That's right, that's the name that came up. That's right. Yeah, that's the name that came up. Anyway, that's about all I had. I, you know, that's a good idea, though, you've got, you know, to, to talk to people about the, whether it's the Federal Reserve or the Bank of England, you know, to kind of open people up, you know. I mean, actually, I'm from the only state in the union. I'm from North Dakota, and that's the only state in the union that's got its own bank. Yep. But, you know, they're still yep. using Federal Reserve notes, so, it, you know. That's okay. The it, bank the uh, bank is healthy. It 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 it, ten, it tends to uh, loan locally and be a support for the people as opposed to a detriment. It's a real unique situation in our whole structure, actually. But if you can't make money, if you can't print the money, you lose some of the power behind it. So you have a bank. I guess it gives you power to put the money where you want, but you're still not creating the money like the Federal Reserve is. You know, that well, I think I think you know the machinery. I was going to say the machinery behind it has got all these nuances and complexities, and oh. you can go into it as far or as little as you want. But the the essence of what I was trying to just get across with this is uh, you often hear, and this is what caused. I actually wrote some something to somebody in response to something that I'd read, and the gist of it was: let's destroy the Fed, everybody. Let's blow the bank to bits, all that kind of stuff. Right? This is nonsense, and it's not needed. Uh, and it can easily be dismissed because when you talk like that, you go, okay, how are you going to do that then? It's just a, it's a silly, I understand why people say it, but it's silly. But I, I just, this is not, there's nothing genius in this. This is just an observation. You live in America. You're an American. You pay your taxes, possibly. I don't really mind one way or other. You do your stuff. You'd, why don't you own your bank? In other words, I'm trying to get a begrudging conversation going. Why, why not? Do you want a bit? Yeah. yeah, he does. And Bob wants it. And what about Betty? Yeah. I think all these people deserve a share in their own bank, don't you? Oh, it doesn't work like that. Well, it bloody does now. And then they'll say, uh, well, you haven't got any power. You go, well, not today. But I'm talking to a lot of people. There'll be 50 million of us in three months' time. We're going to have it then. You've got to talk to them and, ba- and get them back off. Any politician that would come out and say, you can't have that, we'd go, oh, well, you don't want to share then. That's fine. We mark your name down. You're out, mate. Yeah, that's I a can't. great idea. I'm trying to Cody. find a rough and... Yeah, a rough and ready way to talk. We we we're not here to talk in these delicate, refined, technically articulate ways with a bunch of people who've spent centuries uh, putting together a system that doesn't benefit us. To hell with that, right? And all we want to do is own it. And, and people would say, "But it's evil." Go, yeah. But if we own it, we can change it. Own it. Do you <laughs> own right. it? Why don't we own it? Let me ask. Let me ask Cody and you too, Paul. Actually. Because uh, he was a, I'm not sure if he's North Dakota or South Dakota, but the guy's name is Byron Dale. Have you ever heard of him, Cody or Paul? No. There was a Byron Dorgan who was a no. senator, but Byron no, Dale no, Byron, no. Go look him up on a search engine. His name's Byron Dale. I've met him. Had had uh, shared a couple of meals with him. We had him in Atlanta at a convention, and I picked him up at the airport. He's a real nice guy. He's a farmer. And like I said, I don't remember which of the states he was from, but he was Farmer of the Year one year up there. And he got a particular curiosity into this money supply question. And just a common old farmer, he went to the library and started looking and getting books through the interlibrary loan system. And he, he told his son to take the farm over for the summer. And he spent the whole summer studying the stuff. And he came up with a way to start his own Federal Reserve up there in the Dakotas, and he did it. 
and his book is called Bash by the Bankers. And it shows a picture of him in the hospital bed where the cops, nor whichever state it was, those cops broke into his house. He was eating a meal, and they picked up a catchel bottle and started beating him. And you could see the damage they'd done to his head there on the front of the book. But the book's called Bash by the Bankers, and his name is Byron, and I, was, I hope he's still with us, Byron Adele. Well, here's a Supreme Court. D-A-L-E. Here's a Supreme Court in it says, uh, justia.com, it says, Byron Dale appeals for the judgment guilty of grand theft by deception. So that must have been something. I have to read the article. It was back in the South 90s, Dakota, but says, he's another one of these good patriots that was, uh, was like a duck on a June bug on that question and took it to the ultimate ends where they put him in the hospital beating him with a ketchup bottle. So, uh, But he's a hell of a guy. Uh, but, you know, the thing we didn't have as an option, we didn't have choices back then. You pretty well had to use Federal Reserve notes. There's a lot of people that tried to start the gold and silver movement. Uh, John Nelson, the fab- fabled uh, patriot uh, educator, I don't, I don't know how many of you have heard about him, but he was he's quite a guy, John Nelson, Colorado. He lived out there in the Durango area, and he tried to start in the whole city where you went back to using silver. Okay. Uh, in fact, his influence, there was a case out of Las Vegas. It's too bad Chris isn't with us because he could uh, probably give us some light on this. There was a case out there called the Kehoe decision where uh, one of the students of John Nelson owns some company out there, and he's paying his employees in $50 gold eagles because he could, because it has $50 on the gold eagle, but yet it accommodates to the spot price, and they tried to take him to federal court, and I think they lost that case uh, this, uh, both times they tried. So that well, Utah legalized it. Yes, yeah, and Arizona, Arizona, Arizona too. And what they did was legalize it for the form of the payment of taxes. Okay, and that kind Couldn't of couldn't we. That cuts the legal. See, the what gives them all the power here, Cody, is legal tender. But couldn't we argue that the states are complicit in this in this this counterfeiting by? If you read the Constitution, the way it Have talks you, about Cody. The mon- have, you, the monetary yeah, have you heard us mention a book on here called Miracle on Main Street by a guy named Tupper Saucy? Yeah, I don't think so. That's the, that, he okay, was one yeah, of the patriarchs that. of the movement and went on to write Rulers of Evil, and, and, and I think uh, 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 he's dead now, Tupper. I knew him, okay? And uh, not well, but I knew him. But that his first book and his entrance into the whole thing was on that very issue and the fact that all the state's constitutions say that gold and silver are legal tender for payment of taxes. Okay, and that's why the IRS came after him after that book and his notoriety and stuff. So there's been a lot of people on this issue over the years, and it is the premier issue for one uh, the, uh, right up there with taxes. Taxes and the monetary system are the two premier yeah. issues because every damn person's interested in their pocketbook. Which it says to coin money in the federal constitution, so you could argue that. The states, by accepting a monetary system that's not coined, you know. Well, yeah, but you see, here's what. Well, they're not complicit. They're in bankruptcy. And in bankruptcy, the rules change. And every country in the world has bankruptcy laws. That's why they use it. Yeah, I just, I can't believe that, our, that in the last hundred years of stupidity that's happened that, 
you know, I can't believe that people, you know, would have guns in this country, but yet they would have let the gold be stolen from them in the manner they well, did. Well, they didn't have know, much choice. Well, they didn't have much choice because most of the gold was in the banks, and all they had to do was seize the banks. Well, I think, I think, Roger, it, it comes down to this. There's so many examples of this type of behavior in our history as a people, and it, it tends to, I think, come down to you would call it naivety, but trust in authorities. Even now, today, that's the prevailing condition, unfortunately, amongst most people, yep. is, you know, you could say the default position for us is better the devil you know. That really is the case for so many people. They're, oh, I don't want you to change things, but it's not very good. And that's part of that human nature that we alluded to earlier yes. is people resist change. I mean, that's just part of our nature, evidently. Uh, it's human nature that we've yes. really got to address. I don't yep. think this is a technical thing. By the way, Byron Dale's website is wealthmoney.org, there just to let everybody know. Wealthmoney.org. And and his books are listed there. And I'm a sucker for those sorts of things. But I also, in a sense, that I, I've read a lot of them and I can keep reading more. However, they have no traction with normal people. And that's why when you say, when anybody says we, you're always talking about a group of people who've done very deep education and then nobody understands what they're talking about. For the in most real part, terms. I totally and, and, agree and with he, you. Yeah, and so, I'm including my, myself in that because I go around for years and go, look, I can explain all this to you and they're asleep inside 30 yeah. seconds. Well, they don't want to listen. All I'm saying, when I said, yeah, do you want a share, a stake in your own life? <laughs> yes. In the bank, in the bank. Let me check yeah. on right. Bob. You Bob, do. do you want a share in the bank? Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> there you go. That's three. See, it's I'm easy, this. Side, mate. Yeah. Hold up. Let me turn this off. Um, to address what Cody's talking about, and, of course, he's not the only one. He's just the one that brought it up, you know, talking about how this and that and the other's in the Constitution – it don't matter. We are extra constitutional. We are so far outside that document. Yep. It has no application. It has no application well, and, and what, in big type. Just to buttress what Bob's saying, and I heard this 25 or more years ago, these patriots go into court like Cody's wanting to do with his little fiasco up at the border, and they want to bring up the Constitution, and the judge says, don't bring that document up in this court. It doesn't apply. Right. And, of course, right. that brings cries of, that's unlawful. That's unconstitutional. No, that's, that's, that's unconstitutional. That's what well, they say. It's unconstitutional. We know that. No, in fact, it's not. It is extra constitutional. Yep. We're in bankruptcy, man. That I wanted you to put on a poster board last week. <laughs> the, words, the words have changed. We're now in bankruptcy. What do you know about bankruptcy, Rocket. Cody? Cody, what do you know about bankruptcy? Website again, Paul. What was the Paul? What was Byron Dale's website again? We should probably put it up in Wealth, the chat room. Yeah, it's wealthmoney.org. Wealthmoney.org. No good. Good, good guy, Byron Dale. Really good guy. Uh, he's another one that paid, paid the price. Yes, Cody? Roger? Uh, yeah. Or is it Samuel? I can't what, tell who's talking. Just Samuel. Yeah, what's what's Cody's connection to Venezuela? No, he's not in Venezuela. He's married to an Ecuadorian. Very lovely lady oh, named Susanna. I, I was gonna. It, it should be easier for him to remember uh, Corey's digs because there's five executive orders I'd say uh, regarding Venezuela. Yeah, in that's, those. 
Unfortunately, that's back when Mike, when when Bolton had a little influence in there. Evidently, Trump's gotten wise to that because he's kicking people out of the Security Council and all of this backlash. Evidently, one of those whistleblowers was Bolton. The second one is what it appears to be. Who told the first one, and the first yeah. one brought the initial complaint. So they're just playing round robin. Here comes Murr to join us and see. I want to thank Murr as she's gone to the effort. Yeah, well, she's gone to the effort to set up our chat room and stuff, so I'm sure she put that website in there. Hey, Murr, what's going on? Hi. Yeah, I did put it in there. And I just wanted to uh, cover a couple bases here. Our enemy is international, and the real value is only and always has been labor. We need an exchange for that. But when Paul was talking about the city-state of London, there are two other city-states. Yes, so there once are. So get people hooked there's on three. thinking about these things. There's three. There's, there's three another. altogether. There's two, two others. There's three altogether. It's three and a half. Yeah, but let me say. There's another. There's a half Let me in say. There. I'll tell you what it is the Vatican was the, the Vatican was the first and dealt with spiritual matters. This is what we're leaving out. We're trying to do everything on the material, and that's not where the enemy's coming from. They don't only want us dead. They want us lost. Well, let me... Okay? Murr, hold on. So you have the Vatican first. That's the first city-state. Then you have London, and then you have D.C., well, how are you rank? How are you rank? How are you ranking your priority? Because the first one was the city of London, back when the Romans Time. couldn't couldn't conquer it. Okay, that's where the city of London came from. The second yeah, one time. was Washington well, we D.C. Oh, hold on. The second one was Washington D.C. Hold on a second, Murr. The second one was Washington, D.C. in time, and the third one was the Vatican. It wasn't even okay until Mussolini in the 30s. Now, the second, the point five that I added in there is Basel, Switzerland, because it was where the Bank of International S- Settlements is, and it's got all the same uh, characteristics. The Swiss government cannot enter the property. They can't go in and get any documents. They have no authority in the property that the Bank of International Settlements stands on. So there's three and a half. Okay. But the fact remains, we're ignoring the most important part. We're spirits first and foremost. And well, I'd like to hear Paul give his intro that he gives for Andy Hitchcock at some point. Well, it's a spiritual. <laughs> it's a it's a spiritual battle, but and there's it. no question about that. There's no it argument. Is, Mer, I, Mer, I completely agree with you. But I, to what degree do you want to uh, allow the verbiage that spewed out of the Vatican to have any effect on you? I think it's a comedy no. estate. Uh, no, I mean, but that's just me. I'm not, I'm not, dis- you're, you're absolutely right saying, about the spiritual side. Yeah, go on, sorry. What I'm saying is when you're introducing people to these things, you, you talked about London, so you want to telescope yeah. out because the enemy is international, okay? Constantly into everything, everywhere. And that's what they want to do is put us all under Noahide. A Jewish man told me that. He has, uh, you know, with the intel, that's what all these... Uh, Staged events are about, you know, besides yep. demonizing the white people, it is to eventually bring us under the Sanhedrin out of Jerusalem in the Noahide. I don't oh. doubt that one bit. Yeah, you know, there was a synagogue the shooting. Noahide in. whims, you mean. Uh, they're whims of men with whims. beards who can't get shaved. We've got to mock them like mad. That's our joy. Of course that we is, do. Uh, of course we do. That's, that's what, what we aggravates do. me when, when people say, oh, Jew, you can't say Jew. No, drop that taboo. 
And if you want to really look at it, sure, it's a synagogue of Satan, but Truant did a, an expose on that. Synagogue means Church of Satan. So it's redundant. And this is how they play, okay, with, their, with the intellect and with the words. But also, a man named John Forbes Nash Jr., you know, he, he was drugged, and they had him, used him to come up with the game theory. But he got himself off the drugs. And their Jewish movie, Beautiful Mind, they said he was still on them because they didn't want people to come off their drugs, okay? But he got himself off way before that, and he came up with Ideal Money. And he spoke all around the world about it. And I even got to get it out on Jeff Rince that he and his wife were catapulted from a, catapulted, <laughs> thrown out of a taxi and killed as they came back from Norway where he was accepting a prize for this ideal money. And it basically handles, you know, you have the Triffin dilemma where a national currency is also the international currency is what we have right now, okay? And uh, what he proposed was commodities, each country's commodities, which is basically the result of work, of labor. Okay? So he had yep. to be gotten rid of. You know. Well, John Maynard Keynes came up with something similar after the end of the Second World War when they met at uh, Bretton Woods called the Bancor, B-A-N-C-O-R. And Keynes even... I know he was a writing. Okay. Yeah, I know that. I know. But listen, just I know right? I know he was. I'm sorry. This is right? a problem. Yeah, I, I agree it's a problem, but here, here's what the choice was, wasn't it, at Bretton Woods? By the way, I'm not trying to defend John Maynard Keynes. I'm just trying to illustrate know, a point. But right. it's not the His same thing. His Bancor is very similar, Amir, to what you've just talked about. It was a balancing effect. He got defeated by Harry Dexter White, who was from the Jewish community. So that's basically what happened at Bretton Woods. And uh, I'm not saying that either of those solutions are a kind of ideal or that I think that John Maynard Keynes is a great guy. It's got well, nothing to do with need it. We probably need to read John Forbes Nash Jr.'s Ideal Money. You know, there's, yeah. There's, and in fact, I was looking at his Jew wiki when he was catapulted out May 23rd, 2015, I think. I, anyway... And in real time, I saw this ideal money disappearing off the wiki page, the Jew wiki yep. page. And I went to archives and found it. Okay. And it was one of the things I sent on, on the many postcards. I've sent 32 postcards to the White House on all different topics, not just for Trump, but aspartame to Melania. I've done, you know, and even if they never arrive, I mean, they don't have the excuse of having powder in an envelope. They're, in, they're a you know, postcard. And you can get four by six note cards so you can – Doodle up both sides. I'm going to tell you what. Let me, about a, let me tell you what I was told back to, in our active days when I was younger and we oh. thought there was a political answer to this and we'd try and approach those creatures. And we had one of them tell us, Murr, that they, this is in the days of faxes, in the early days of email. They said faxes we don't pay any attention to, emails either. But if somebody sends us a handwritten postcard, we pay attention to it because we feel at least 20 to 30 or 50 people in the district feel the same way as that person that got so motivated to sit down and write that postcard out and send it to us. So you're right. Those do. Excellent. If there's even if some they don't kind. Ever arrive, just traveling across, just traveling across country gets seen by many eyes. 
Well, I just wanted yes. to give that from like the I inside. Said, I do love artwork on there that's going to grab your eyes, too. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> well, uh, you know, who knows if that any of those will ever have any effect, but it's something you can do that they well, do. Well, we got to come at this from well, every that, angle. Well, that they do pay attention to. Mer, let me finish sometimes, girl. It's something I'm you sorry. can do that they do pay attention to, and, and those kind of little things, if somebody wants to make the effort to do it, uh, God bless you. You know, the death of a thousand cuts is what we're dealing with. Yeah. The death of a thousand cuts, even more appropriately said, the death of a thousand cuts is what they're dealing with, too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they do to uh, the children when they torture them. I mean, even in, uh, in, in Switzerland, they have, I guess it's in Bern, they have a big a Judaic uh, guy with his bag of children, eating children. This is what they're known for. You know, there was another, uh, there was a synagogue shooting this morning in Germany. Uh, two people were shot yeah. on the street, I guess, and something. But, so it's flaring up all over the world, you know, and like we were saying earlier in the show, there's so many really important things that are happening in so many important areas that all it's going to take is one domino to fall that's going to bring the whole thing to the forefront, I think. Paul, uh, here as we get towards the end of the show, let me thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be with us today. We Pray always people. enjoy it. Yeah, always look thank forward you. to Paul's Wednesday. Please tell the truth yeah. thing, Paul. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. see you, Mer. <laughs> Thanks for your contribution and setting up the chat room. And I, I don't promote that enough. It's one of those things I forget. And so if you do want to participate in that where you can find things, Doc, like that link that you had to go back and ask for, uh, you can find it at Roger Sales. My name spelled spelled out dot chatango c h a t a n g o dot com, and find all that over there. I'd like to integrate that more into the program since she's gone to the trouble to set it up and monitor it, and it's a good forum for us. Thanks, Roger. Yep. So, Paul, thank you yep. for uh, taking the time out to be with us. Anything you want to pontificate on towards the end here? Uh, no, I think uh, we've put the whole world to rise. I mean, it's that easy. You just have a quick chat for a couple of hours. It's all fixed. Well, I, I think many of us <laughs> uh, feel better. I'm, I'm, no, I mean, I just uh, the theme for me, Roger, I'm just going to sort of come back to this. The theme for me is this. At the moment, you know, we go, go through a little we phases, moods of, of thoughts or whatever. But for me at the moment, as a people, I think we're lousy at resisting negatives. It's just yes. not what we do. But if you are invited to construct a positive, we're, we're off. We can do, there's nothing that can stop us. We tend to frame most of our thoughts in a negative way. It's just an observation. I might be wrong about that, but I'm playing with that as an idea. I tend to think it's understandable why we do this because we're overwhelmed to a great degree by the power of the media and their ability to literally absorb every millisecond of your attention every day. And so you get drawn into these dramas and just stepping out of that, coming out of her, as it were, and taking a deep breath and looking at the fundamentals of life about what it takes to be happy, satisfied, productive and honorable and to have a hopefully spiritually upwardly aspiring life is these things are not it's not rocket science to do this. But yeah. we're wasting all our time dealing with these demons. You know, I want my bank. And I, and I want language like this. I'm not interested anymore in sort of sophisticated language. It's got us nowhere. What we need is a lot of shouting really stern faces and when these people say oh, you're not having that they need to be met with a barrage of such noise right that they literally that's eat what, their trousers that's what out. they're doing with right. us is just barraging us with all of it from an opposite direction yeah. somebody wanted to say something there was that you samuel yeah 
No, it was, it was Doc. Um, I got a quick comment. Is that uh, a lot of times people listen to the the information on the affidavit and they think that they're listening over and over again. But the thing about it, one day I was listening and all of a sudden the white parents came up and all. Really made sense. So I thank you, Roger, for that. Well, it's just a, a difference between white and black. That's really all it is. Uh, and uh, thanks for bringing that up. It's your the main focus of uh, you know what we do here. I guess we're going to have Jack tomorrow. Yeah, Jim Crow and all. Yes. I, I noticed there was a barrage of about fifteen messages came over on our expat group. So there must be something cooking up. And I know he's right in the middle of sitting on top of it. So we'll find out what that's all about tomorrow. Give us something to look forward to and get Jack back on, which is always a pleasure. Paul, thank you so much, man. Hopefully we'll get a chance to be with you again next yes. week. These are nice breaks, and we always appreciate. Your accent, your point of view, your language, and what you bring to the yes. table here, buddy. We appreciate you. Well, hopefully England will still be here next week, uh, yep. Roger. It will be. <laughs> past the 31st. Past the 31st. Yeah. Now, there might be a question, but we'll, well you see. Well, you know why they've picked the 31st, don't sure, you? Sure, it's Halloween. Because it's Halloween. Yeah, they love all that junk. They sure Wackos. do. They are. Closing comments. Yes, quick, Bob. Uh, let's not do the vermicelli and wormy celery thing with the word synagogue. It has nothing to do with the sign of Gog. Get smart, people. Do some research. Don't just take the easy way out. Thank, Thank you, you, Bob. Thank you, sir. Thank everybody that participated, everybody that listened out there and didn't do squat. Hopefully you got something out of it. Paul, see you soon, buddy. We sure appreciate you. I'll see you all tomorrow yes, with Roger. Journeyman Jack, and we'll get a update on what's going on in Ecuador, maybe in your neck of the woods coming up. We'll see. See you tomorrow. Have a great day. You too. Adios. Hasta la vega.